I know you're still socializing. I'll try that again. Good morning, church. All right. Well, happy, amen. Happy Labor Day weekend. And as I was reading this morning uh, in my Bible, actually this was yesterday, out of Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen? And what an appropriate scripture for Labor Day weekend. If we can just rest and be in his presence this morning. We have a call to worship. If you guys want to stand with me, it's going to be out of Exodus 15. We're going to read it together on the count of three. But let me just give you a backdrop of what this is. This is the very beginning of what they call in the Bible the Song of Moses. And Moses sang this song right after they went through the Red Sea. And I'll tell you, in this world we live in, in the society we live in, I think many times we feel like we're being pressed from every side, from every angle, and it looks like there's nowhere to go. It looks like there's no way out It looks like there's no escape but God. But God. For he will never leave us and never forsake us. He always makes a way when it seems like there is no other way. So if you're here this morning and you feel like you're being pressed from every side, we're going to sing this call to worship. And this is a reminder to us that we have a God that we serve that performs the miraculous. We have a God that will part the Red Sea when it seems like there's no other way. For he will make a way. Amen? Amen. So let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Let's worship him today. He's ministering to us this morning. It's funny. I always want to come and just worship and pour out to his heart. But in the process, he always ministers to me. Because he's so good. He's so good. And it's his love and his goodness this morning. But over and over inside, I just keep hearing eyes up. Eyes up. Eyes on Jesus. And um, my kids have a have a problem. It's common to all kids. They always have their eyes two places, um, either completely on themselves or up in everyone else's business and what everyone else is doing or not doing. And they can give you a full report on that and then their opinion on whether that is right, wrong, and what needs to be done about it. And I believe... That's not just kids. Yes. Well, I'm going there. That's where I'm going, everybody. I believe that as Christians, that's what we get off on it. Either, either, you know, we get our eyes on our own selves, and that can lead up to only two places. Only two places. Into self-condemnation, into constantly comparing not good enough, not good enough. Or into self-righteousness. If only people were more like me. Because look how good I am. What other, what other option is there when we have our eyes on ourselves and on assessing how we're doing? Because it's not our job. It's not our job. Our job is to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit 
and to look upon those things in our life that he shows us and what other people are doing where other people are at in their walk is none of our business um I've done this, this practice for so many years and it's brought such freedom in my life. Where I have no responsibility, I choose to have no opinion. So I ask myself very carefully often, what is my responsibility in this situation? If a woman is walking by in an outfit that is completely inappropriate for my son or my husband to be looking at, I will make sure they're not looking, but I will not have an opinion out loud, out of my mouth about that woman. I love her. I will pray for her and with her because maybe I used to be that woman. Maybe my, you know, maybe maybe I needed self-confidence and I looked to the world to get it in some other way that was more acceptable. This isn't where I was going to go, but this is where I'm going. Eyes up. Eyes up church. There is work for each of us to do, and that assignment, each step can only be can only be carefully planted and carefully laid to stay on the path by keeping our eyes up on Jesus. And we walk in the light of his love. When we are called to confront, we'll confront, but it will be with a grace and a love that is his. And so there will be the fruit of the gospel of Jesus, which is transformation in lives. He came and he died for us, right where we're at, right where we're at. I love this thing. You don't, you don't clean yourself up before you go to the ER. You don't try to fix yourself before you go see a doctor. That's what he's there for. So you don't clean yourself up before you come into the presence of God. He loves you right where you're at. So eyes up church, eyes up to the sacrifice of the cross, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, his body beaten for our healing to redeem everything this morning. It's good. Give him some instructions. Covered it all. It's good. Calvary covers it all. Amen. The blood of Jesus covers it all. Um, Okay, so we're going to come to receive our elements this morning, and you're going to get them and then hold on to them at your seat so that we can partake of them together. the aisles are one way. So this center aisle is one way toward the back table. If you're in the back section of these two sections, you're going to come to the center aisle and go back to the table. And then you're going to circle back around to your seats. These side sections, these side aisles here are one way. And you're going to come down to the table and then circle back to your seats. Um, it's a two-cup system, so you only have to pick up one thing and ask two cups, the cracker in the bottom and the juice on top. And in that way, we will get the elements and then hold on to them and we'll partake together. Okay. Thank you, Lord. You know, for those that are following the Bible reading plan that we started this week, you would have read somewhere around Matthew uh, 14, I think, through 17 this morning. If you begin to look at those scriptures, something just jumped out at me. And I wanted to read just a couple passages from that reading that we're walking through here this morning. That in Matthew 14, 14, it says, And Jesus went out, and he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. You see, Jesus, when he was on this earth, was moved with compassion over and over and over again. If you look further down in that chapter, 
It says that when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out in to all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and that as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Perfectly well. And you see, that was when Jesus was walking on this earth. People were looking to touch his garment and have a moment with him. But now since he has defeated death, paid the price on the cross and defeated death and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, we can now come to this table. We can now come to these communion elements and partake of the goodness and the faithfulness of who Jesus Christ is and who he continues to be. Our Lord, our Savior, our healer. The Bible says those who drink and eat shall never drink or never be thirsty or hungry again. So this morning, whatever it is that you came with, we can lay it down at his feet. And we can take this time to partake in these elements, remembering who he is and what he's done for each and every one of us. I have a question. If I want to touch the hem of your garment, mm. how do I do that? Mm, Got to get close. I have to get close. Mm. Can I possibly, is it possible for me to do it mm, without bending up. my knees? <laughs> That's right. Got to be on your knees. Got to bend my knees. Yeah. We bend our knee to the Lordship of Jesus. And then, if I'm touching the hem of his garment, the only way to see his face is to look up. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your son, for the sacrifice that he made. Thank you that he defeated death and rose again. That we can be in communion directly with you for all of eternity. We thank you for your healing touch, your healing power in our physical bodies and our relationships, in our hearts and our minds. We come with bended knee with our eyes focused on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bible says in 1 Corinthians says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. In your precious name. Amen, amen. Stand with me. We're going to continue to worship. The altar is open. If you've got business you need to do with the Lord today, come up here and just do business with him. No one's going to bother you. No one's going to talk to you. Well, maybe I will. I might pray for you. But just come up here and do business. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You are a good, good Father. Thank you, Lord. I just want to read out of Psalm 121. Interestingly enough, it comes after Psalm 120. Shocking, I know. But Psalm 120 is much about war and challenge (laughs) and a lack of peace. I don't know if anybody knows, but we're in the year 2020. It sure feels that way this year, huh? But Psalm 121 says this. And I got this this morning before you even said anything. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. For my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Read that again. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve you going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. We will lift our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Father, we lift our eyes to you. For you truly are where our help comes from. You're the one who makes a way when there is no other way. You're the one who parted the Red Sea. Father, we thank you that we can be your children, part of your family. We know earthly families have problems. (laughs) We thank you that you are a good, good Father. That you're a perfect Heavenly Father. Do you love us so much? You sent your son. Thank you for that perfect love. That perfect, perfect love that can only come from you. We thank you for it and we receive that love today. As we lift our eyes to you, we receive that love today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Give some instructions.
As we head into greeting time, um, if you have children, Kid Corner is open, sermon notes and sermon bags for toddler through grade six. Um, so you can head on over there during greeting time. Also, we will have offering buckets up here up front because we are not passing the buckets right now. So if you have an offering um, and you'd like to bring it forward, that's where it would go. And also, I just remind you to be respectful of people's space as you greet um, and keep that in mind as always and hopefully ending soon. Um, and we can just hug the snot out of each other as God intended. <laughs> Um, amen. amen. So with that, amen. let's take a few minutes. And just if there's uh, the sermon notes, a couple people are asking about the timelines. There are extra timelines up here as well. I believe a few in the back. So if you didn't bring yours from last week or maybe you haven't been here in the past couple weeks, there's the end time timeline is available for you up here this morning. All right. Amen. All right, church. We're going to have to call this meeting to order because Pastor Jason and some of the kids had like a ring around the rosy slash wrestling match up here. That would not be social distancing. Ring around the rosy. I think they played that during the plague. Am I wrong? Ring around the rosy, a pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. But we are raised up in Christ, so we have no worries. All right, on that note, a couple of announcements this morning. Um, I don't have my bookmark, but we are reading through the Bible together as a church. I hope that you are participating. I have all of my check marks for the week. This is a big deal, okay? And not because I don't read my Bible every day. I just tend to buck when someone tells me what to read. I don't like to be told what to read, but I'll tell you, I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed being like, oh, this is what I'm going to read today. And this morning, when he opened the Bible and talked about Matthew 14, what he didn't know is um, one of those verses, as I was reading this morning, you know the Holy Spirit, you're reading, and I mean just a, a verse will just pop off the page. And it's just like, it pops off. And that, the one verse totally popped off the page of me. So the Holy Spirit is working. And I, I hope that you guys are enjoying reading through the Word together. Um, I think it's great. So if you don't have a bookmark there back on the back table, they're double-sided. There's a September and October. So grab those. Next is Jeremy Gall is coming. Um, super excited. He's coming to preach on a Sunday morning, September 20th. You don't want to miss it. Jeremy is always full of energy for Jesus. He preaches with such power with such faith. And honestly, it's like a tidal wave of faith and you just get filled up. I love, I love, love sitting under his teaching. So I invite you to come on September 20th um, uh, to hear that. Um, also, let's see, if you're a first-time guest, we're happy to have you. We love to worship together with you. If you would like to send us a note and say, hey, this is my name, I was there, service was great, um, or whatever, you can email us at info at ecfchurch.org because um, we'd love to know that you were here. Also, if you have a prayer request, praise report, or testimony, those can go to prayer at ecfchurch.org. Um, and in this way, we are staying connected as a community of people. Um, Sydney, you're up, girl. Sydney's going to come up and talk to you guys for a minute about things. Okay, just really quick. Um, I'm looking for three to four volunteers for each if you want to help out with doing lighting in the back or lyric and or lyrics and um, verse slides. 
You don't have to do, you're not going to touch the soundboard at all. There's nothing to do with that. So don't have to worry about that. I have like some things up there if you want to be a part of worship in any way. Um, if you can pay attention <laughs> and pay attention to details, um, any of those things, feel free to email me or talk to me after service. But yeah, we're in need of three to four people for both of those things. So thank you. <laughs> okay. I want to uh, start. I just want to pray over our tithes and offerings. I have a quick scripture I want to share with you guys <clears throat> Excuse me, regarding that, and then we'll just pray um, over that. Uh, the scripture is out of 1 Chronicles 29. It starts in verse, actually it's just verse 11, I believe. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. <laughs> yes, yours, O Lord, is the greatness. <clears throat> not my greatness, not your greatness, although you're all great, but it's his greatness, amen? His greatness, the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, amen? For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Church, it's all his. It's all his, all your tithes, offerings, your finances, your kids, your everything, your relationship, it's his and he just is asking us to trust him fully and completely with it. It says, yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Amen? Amen. I just I want to pray this morning that we just put him in complete control over every area of our life. I think that's what I, we talk about Jesus being our Savior. And we don't always talk as much about Jesus being our Lord. And when we say Jesus is Lord, it means that he is Lord over every area of our life. And some of us are in process on certain areas of our life. Amen? I get it, right? It's a journey. He's our Savior, and then he is Lord of varying levels in our life. And it's our goal is to continually to move him to be the Lord of every area of our life. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. We thank you for every gift, every giver. Father, we thank you for this Labor Day weekend. Lord, and many will have uh, off tomorrow. Lord, I just thank you for this extra time with our families. Uh, for those that are getting, for those that don't, I pray a blessing over them as they head back to work and back to school in the different places that they go. Lord, I just thank you that uh, we will be debt-free as a church and as a congregation in Jesus' name. I thank you that you are working on that. And even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. And so, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are working in our finances and in our lives in every area. And Father, as we open up your word and we talk about end times, Lord, that you would just bring the peace that passes understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Father, we just thank you for peace, peace, peace amidst every circumstance, amongst every situation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> okay, if you guys uh, want to get your timelines out, of course, if you brought them back and you're taking notes on them, uh, you probably take, it's going to... They'll get a little bit busy as you take notes on them. And <clears throat> last week, we focused on the big word at the far right-hand side called eternity. We spent most of our time last week talking about eternity, number 22, uh, that's on there. Uh, you can see uh, it says the kingdom and then eternity on the far right-hand side. And I encourage you throughout the week, on the back side of this is all the, not all, is some of the scriptures that the Bible really outlines and talks about regarding each of the numbers. So the scriptures on the back correspond to the numbers on the front. 
And if you remember, as we've been talking about, we have asterisks next to several of the numbers. I probably could have put an asterisk next to the entire timeline because it's up for a lot of debate within theological circles, uh, and we're not going to get into all those debates. I just wanted to lay out for you guys what we see as a church, as a leadership team, you know, the timeline of, of the end times, and as we're progressing and seemingly getting closer and closer to it. I will say this, we have not started the tribulation yet, as far as I can tell, although it feels that way a lot of times, but I do not believe that we've started that tribulation. So this timeline has not physically started yet in the earth as we're living in it at the moment, but church, the Bible says it's coming. Amen. I, know, so I was like, I don't want to say amen to that. Are you kidding me? Look what you're showing me, what we're going to go through, but yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to come, and we're not here to pick a date or a time. I'm not saying it's 2020 or 2033 or 2050 or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's coming and the Bible talks about it's coming. And the whole purpose of this series is to prepare us, to prepare our hearts to know what's coming so that we have an expectation when things begin to happen and things happen during elections and all around the world that we're not shocked in any way, shape, or form. Well, today I'm going to do just a quick recap of what we talked about last week at a very high level, because as I think I've mentioned, if you haven't been here before, we're working backwards across the timeline. And the reason why we're walking backwards from eternity and then through the next couple of weeks we'll go to present day is because I want us all to see the hope of the future first. Amen. Because if we only saw the challenges that might lay right before us or in the next couple of years or decade or 100 years or whatever, we start to get a little bit of anxiety. I don't know about you, but I start to get some anxiety. So my hope, my goal in this series is to keep our eyes focused on eternity, to keep our eyes focused on the millennial, which we're going to talk about today in great detail. And if we can keep our eyes focused there, when we're going through things here, if we can keep our eyes focused on what's happening in the future, that God will restore all things, I believe that it helps us get through the current times. Amen? Amen. Okay, so if you're watching online, uh, you can go to our website and grab the timeline as well. Uh, you just go to ecfchurch.org and you scroll down on our main page. There's a link there for a PDF copy of that. So you say, why are we talking about all this? Just to reiterate, because Jesus did. Paul did. Peter did. Many, many of the apostles did. The New Testament and the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's just littered all through with discussions and talking about the end of the book, amen? The end of the book and how this all comes across. You know, the second coming will establish the kingdom that we will rule and reign with him, amen? This establishment of this kingdom is the saints ruling and reigning with Jesus. And that's some exciting things and I want to get into that this morning. But first of all, let me just give you a brief overview of last week. Uh, if you want to hear all the details of it, you have to go back and listen to our podcast or watch it on Facebook Live. But we talked about eternity. We talked about there are three heavens. The Bible talks about three heavens. There's the first heaven, which is the earth and its atmosphere. That's which we're living in. And you're saying, wait a second. This is heaven? Uh, yes, actually it is. It's not the perfected heaven. It's not what God intended it to be when it was first created because God created man and woman in his image. He put them in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect, but then sin came, okay? And you have to understand that this is one of the heavens. Then there's the second heaven, 
which we'll call kind of the outer space or the galaxies that are out there. And then the third heaven, which is where God currently is residing with Jesus. And all those who have died since Jesus rose again, right? When they died, they all have gone to the third heaven. So you think of a loved one, you say, well, where is my loved one right now? Where are they at? What do they look like? What type of being do they have? Is this a spiritual body, physical body? You've got to go back and listen to last week because I already explained all that. Okay? But that is the third heaven where God resides. And last week we talked about that in eternity, when all of these things <clears throat> excuse me, begin to play out, it is when God begins to set up his throne on earth. And it is begin when he makes all things new. When the third heaven and the first heaven correspond to be the heaven, and all things are created new, and we dwell for eternity with God in his presence. Amen? Amen. What a glorious thing to look forward to. We talked about the gifts and the talents that you'll be able to use and all the things that will be on the earth. Yes, there'll be food. Yes, there'll be horses and whatever else. Now, all these things, we talked about all these things. But this morning, what I really want to focus on, what I really want to focus on is the millennial reign. Now, open your Bibles to Revelation verse 20. Revelation verse 20, or chapter 20, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20. And I'm going to read quite a ways down, I'm going to read uh, verse 1 through 10. And then I'm going to kind of give a summary of what the Bible says in Revelation about the thousand year reign and the millennium on the earth. And then I'm going to do a little question and answer. Okay, is everybody going to be okay with that? I'm going to do a little differently this morning. I'm going to do a Q&A. But unfortunately, y'all not going to be able to ask the questions. I've already prepared the questions and the answers. So it's like a Q&A that you get to just be a part of and watch. Okay, is that okay? Can we do it that way? If you have other questions, you can see me afterwards. But I'm not answering questions live in the service. Okay. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. That chicken. Somebody say, hey, okay. I'm working on Hey, guys, I'm learning a lot of this with you too, Okay. I am by no means a biblical scholar, okay? And all God's people said, amen. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and he shut him up. Oh, hallelujah. Can we get an amen? All those voices, oh, think of the thousand-year reign, all that, those things that you hear in your head that are not of you, that are coming from the enemy, shut up. Come on, shut up. And set a seal on him, hallelujah. Not only is he shut up, but there's a seal set on him. So that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So it's not the end end. The end end end. We talked about that last week. There's this period of time, this thousand years where Satan is bound up. He's tossed down, sealed up, shut up, and there's going to be a thousand-year reign on earth. And this morning I want to talk about what does that look like? What does that mean? What are we doing? Etc. Verse 4. I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. 
Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. Amen. But there shall be, they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Verse 7, this is going to talk about the end of this thousand years, so we'll cap at the beginning, the end, and I'll talk about the middle. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. So just look at that. There will still be people in those thousand years that will be deceived and will not have follow, they will not be following Jesus, although Jesus has set up his kingdom on earth from Jerusalem. We'll get to that. And sometimes it's mind-blowing to think like, wait a second, all of this prophecy in the Bible and Jesus is literally here in Jerusalem ruling and reigning with his saints who are perfected, yet still people will choose not to follow him. And they still have a choice up to the end of that thousand years. They went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city. And look at this. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That last rebellion, that last stitch effort that Satan makes after being bound for a thousand years is crushed. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That ends the thousand-year reign. So what's happening? Satan's bound for a thousand years. There's something called the marriage supper of the Lamb that happens if you look at number 21 on your timeline. Cole, if you want to put up the the zoomed-in version of the timeline just for a minute. Number 21, we see Satan is bound, and the marriage supper of the Lamb is what is kicking off these thousand-year reign. And then during this thousand years, what is happening? What is going on? There's a cleanup that begins to happen. And if you're interested in learning and hearing more about the cleanup, you have to read Ezekiel uh, chapter 39. And then the new temple is being built. If you're interested of all the details regarding the temple, all the nitty-gritty details of what that temple that Jesus residing. Remember last week we talked about the temple God's coming in. It's it's 1,500 miles wide, deep, high, how that's going to work, how we can breathe breathe in that atmosphere. Okay, new heaven and new earth. Put that temple aside. This is the temple that Jesus and his people are recreating. It's in Ezekiel 40 through 48. So if you want to understand the deep details about all the different things of what's going to be happening when, I encourage you to go read that. I'm obviously not going to go read through all those chapters here. And what happens during this thousand years is we enjoy this amazing reality of ruling and reigning with Jesus himself on the earth for a thousand years. Okay, here come the questions. Are you ready? Number one, who, I'm not going to number them because I'll forget what number I'm at. A question is this, who will be, who will be in charge and where will they rule from? 
Who will be in charge and where will they rule from? Let me tell you, Jesus will be in charge and he will rule from Jerusalem. How do I know that? Zechariah verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. Jesus will be in charge. Amen? He will be ruling from Jerusalem. Verse 10 says this. Sing and rejoice. This is Zechariah 2, 10 and 12. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Verse 11, many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people, and I will dwell in their midst. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and the Lord will take possession of Judah as the inheritance in the Holy Land, and will again choose, what? Jerusalem. Be silent all flesh before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. Who is going to be ruling? Jesus himself. Where is Jesus at currently? He's in the third heaven. He comes down to this first heaven and he begins to make the preparations for the thousand year reign on earth. And where does he do it from? He's doing it from Jerusalem. Why is it so important we understand what's going on in Israel? Why is it so important we understand what's going on in the Middle East? Because all of this will revolve, all of it ends up revolving around that place, that land. That land that God gave as an inheritance to the Hebrew people way back in the Old Testament. It's all thousands of years ago. It's all going to come together. So where is it? How do I know for sure? Jeremiah 3, verse 17. You can write these verses down and look at them later if you want. How do I know for sure? Jeremiah 3, 17. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. Hallelujah. And then you can write this down, Psalm 22, verse 27 and 28. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Amen? So to answer that first question, who will be... A question, who will be in charge and where will they rule from? It'll be Jesus and he will be ruling from Jerusalem. So who will be here? Who will be here? You guys want to know the answer to that? I mean, I was interested in knowing, right? Because if you just look, okay, this is the part where scripture interprets scripture, amen? This is the part where we sometimes have to dig deeper and see what God has said throughout all of the scriptures because if you just read Revelation 20, you would make an assumption that only those who were martyred would be, would be ruling and reigning for the thousand years. But as I'm going to walk through a couple additional scriptures, you'll begin to see that it's not just those who were beheaded or who were martyred uh, before the thousand year reign that will be ruling and reigning. Actually, it will be each and every one of the saints. Each and every one of us will be ruling and reigning with him. Let's go, let me, let me just walk through this with you for a couple scriptures and so you guys understand this. So f- go to 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. And I think a lot of times we have a misunderstanding, but if you remember when Jesus was talking uh, uh, I think it was in Matthew, he says, but he says the rest of the dead will not live again until after the thousand years. However, we know that no saint is dead. We've already talked about is when we pass from this earth, are we dead? No, 
We're not dead. We're living with God in the third heaven while we're waiting for all the rest of this stuff to take place. So if we are not dead, then we must be living. So when it's talking about the dead won't be here, it's not talking about those who are living. Amen? Does that begin to make sense to you guys? I hope, that, I hope you understand that. How do we know this again for sure? 1 Thessalonians 3.13, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with what? All his saints. He's coming with all his saints. Another verse I believe that can really begin to set this home is in Matthew 19, verse 28. And there I won't read the whole thing, but it says that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about who will sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The disciples weren't part of the beheaded martyrs in the end times, right? They already have died. They've already been to heaven. But if they are here ruling and reigning over the 12 tribes and those are the disciples, then they have to be here, which means we also will end up being here. Praise God. I'm looking forward to this time, this thousand years. Amen? So who else will be here? If we are recreated and we are immortal during this thousand year reign and we are perfected, Thank God we are, because I don't want to live a thousand years if I'm not perfected, amen? Man, too much can go wrong in a day. How many know this, right? Too much can go wrong in a day, let alone a thousand years, right? I, there's a reason why God capped it at like 120, okay? I mean, at some point, he's saying, okay, we got to close this thing out because life is difficult, atmosphere, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get into all that. Again, no new heaven versus, or the young earth versus old earth today. We're not going into that, okay? But what I'm saying is you begin to try to wrap your head around what a thousand years will look like, but we will be perfected. We will be perfected. We will be sinless. So guess what? I want to live a thousand years on this earth to see the beauty of God's creation and what he's doing and how he's rebuilding this earth for a thousand years. I want to be a part of that, amen? I want everybody to be a part of that. And the only way you can be a part of that before you leave this earth and before you die is if your name is in the book of life. And the only way your name can be in the book of life is if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And if you trust him fully. And I'm not talking about just a little prayer that you said in Sunday school when you were six, guys. I'm sorry. A life with Jesus is a difficult life. It's tough, but he gets us through it all. Why is it difficult? Because we got to take the flesh and we got to put it aside. We have to begin to take all the stuff of our flesh and put it aside. And walking with him is actually, I know his, he makes it easy. Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be able to do it. But it's difficult, but it's easy at the same time. Does that make sense? Only because of him is we're able to do it. But a life transformed, a new creation, it's more than just saying a little prayer. It's a commitment in here about a completely transformed life, trusting him totally with all that you are. So who else will be here? There'll be mortals here. We talked about there's going to be a rebellion at the end of the thousand years. If we are perfected and the saints are here and we are sinless, then is it us that's going to reject Jesus and have a big battle at the end? Uh, no. Which means there has to be somebody here that he's gathering up and there's going to be mortals that live on this earth. And this is from a ruling and reigning perspective that we are going to be doing. It also talks about us being priests. I'll get to that in a minute. But there will be mortals here on this earth. 
Remember, the new heaven and the new earth aren't here yet, so there will be mortal beings here. They will have families, they will live, they will die. They'll have to make a choice about Jesus Christ. Albeit he'll be here, you know, which would be, how do you choose not? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, next question. What will everybody be doing? What on earth are we going to do for a thousand years? Are you serious? Like, again, we talked last, last week. Are we just going to be, you know, playing the harp, singing songs, floating around, just playing the harp? Ooh, this is so wonderful. So wonderful. For those different personalities, like three minutes into it, you're like, what's next? Right? What's next? No, we are going to be doing work. We are going to be doing things with our hands and our feet. We're not just going to be laying around eating grapes, looking up at the sky. Guys, there is work to be done. There's rebuilding that needs to be done on this thousand years. There is work we'll be doing. We'll be ruling and reigning. You say, well, I'm not a leader. How do I do this? You're perfected. God will help you do it. You don't have to say, well, I'm not a natural born leader. It's okay. God is working and he will work inside of you and you will be able to do the things that he has called you to do with perfection. With perfection. So what will we be doing? Revelation, I'm just going to read that verse uh, four through six again, the back half of four. And they lived and they reigned with Christ. You will be living and reigning with Christ. If you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that is what you will be doing for a thousand years. And we talked about the rest of the dead. We went through that. Verse 6, blessed and holy is he who is part of the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests. Priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. So what are the immortals doing? What are you and I doing? We're ruling and reigning, and we are priests. What does it mean to be a priest? It means we are expanding the kingdom of heaven. We are sharing the good news. We are discipling people. And there needs to be people that need to be discipled. This is what we will be doing in this thousand years. What will the mortals be doing? They're going to be doing a lot of rebuilding. We're going to be helping them with that. Again, I'm not going to read through all of Ezekiel. What does it mean to rule and reign? What does it look like? Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And then God said, let us make man in our image. I love how the Bible works, right? We're talking about Revelation 20, the back of the book. And we're going to the very beginning of the book. The word of God to really wrap this whole thing together. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You want to know what it looks like to rule and reign? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to rule and reign. We are created in the image of God, perfect in every way, one with God, and we have dominion over everything on this earth. If you look at the word, what does dominion actually look like? If you look at the word in Hebrew, it means to tread down, to subjugate, to crumble off, to come, to make, to have dominion. We prevail against rule and we take, we are the rulers of this earth, but not in evil, of course. 
We will be walking perfect in love. No sin. Rulers fail because they're human. But we will not fail in this ruling and reigning because we will have no sin, no evil, no death in us. And here's the beautiful thing. Adam and Eve's reign would have been one of joy, life, fruitfulness, but they sacrificed it all. And they sinned. But church, this is the beauty of Jesus. (laughs) This is why Jesus is called the second Adam. Amen? This is why Jesus came. Because he came as a man. He conquered sin and death. This gives us the opportunity to be part of this complete restoration on this earth. This is the gospel message, guys. This time he's the Adam, the second Adam. That Paul calls him. Fully God, fully man. He sets up his kingdom and he restores us to the place that he always intended us to be in. Amen? So this simple form, what does this mean? Ruling and reigning is to have dominion again over all the earth. To fill it, to use the gifts and talents that we have. To live on this earth. To make it into heaven and paradise with him. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to operate as priests as well. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 3. And I think all of this stuff begins to have impact and understanding of our lives even today. You see, I'm talking about something that's going to happen in the future, but there's so many parallels that we can take back to today about what does it mean where we can rule and reign in this life now with Jesus because of the name of Jesus. There's so many things we can learn from as we're living in perfectedness. Without sin, we rule and reign perfectly. But that doesn't mean we can't rule and reign now while we're here on this earth. It doesn't mean we can't be priests while we're here on this earth. So all the things we're talking about, we're going to do perfectly. And yes, we don't do them perfectly now. Everybody can say amen to that. But there's lessons that we can learn right here. Look at this. Paul's teaching us in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 3. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? (laughs) This is a foreshadowing as us judging the world along with Jesus in the future. And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Verse 3. Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. And what Paul's saying here is, we need to begin practicing ruling and reigning right now in this world, in this life. There are things that we can do through our worship, through our prayer, through the reading of the word of God, through our study, through how we speak the name of Jesus, how we can declare certain things that need to happen in our lives. These are things we can begin practicing doing now, today. We don't have to wait until the thousand years shows up until we can start ruling and reigning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, we'll rule and reign perfectly then, but that doesn't mean we don't rule and reign now. And I'll tell you what, this earth needs us as a church, as a body, as believers, to take our rightful place and to begin to pray and to begin to intercede and be able to do things. This is a whole other message and we'll get to that in the next couple weeks because there's practical things I want us all to be doing. 
So what about the mortals? What are they going to be doing? I've already mentioned they're going to be doing a lot of the rebuilding. You can read through that, Ezekiel 39 all the way through 48. Next question, what about marriage? Hmm. Well, God clearly says there's no marriage in heaven, heaven, in eternity. So when the third heaven and the first heaven come together and God himself sets up this throne, it talks about there's no marriage. What about the thousand years? Can I be honest with you? I'm not 100% sure. I'm just being honest. I'm, not, I'm being honest. Do, do, I, do I wish, do I hope that there is? Well, sure. But I don't know for sure. I don't think the Bible makes it super clear. Maybe somebody can point me and say, oh, it's super clear, and here's why. But it doesn't seem to be super clear either way. Now, mortals will live. They'll get married, and they'll, they'll uh, have kids and those things. That is clear about the thousand-year reign. But the immortals, I'm honestly, I can be, I'm not totally sure. If I reference back to Genesis, it says be fruitful and multiply. If I take that scripture, it would say yes. But there's other times and there's understandings of, well, if I've been married a couple times and who's my husband? And Jesus says you're not going to be married in heaven. Okay. I don't know the answer to that. Can I say that? Is that okay? Your pastor doesn't know all the answers. That's why I'm not taking questions. That's why this is not a live forum asking questions, okay? And if you did, I might deflect them to other people that might be sitting around here, Okay? Next question, will there be sin and death? For those recreated, those immortals, no. There will be no sin. We will be ruling and reigning with Christ. We will be perfected. We will not sin. We will not die. We will be here for the thousand years, every one of them. Mortals, yes, they will live. They will die. Yes, they will sin. It says at the end of the thousand years, Satan will gather up the army and he'll make one last shot at a rebellion. What will the culture be like? What will the culture be like for these thousand years? Even though there is sin in the immortals, you have to remember what I read in the beginning. Satan is bound up. He is shut up. He is bound up. He is no longer able to deceive as he's been deceiving, as he's been deceiving today. You want to know what that looks like? You go to Isaiah 2, verse 1 through 4. Isaiah 2 verse 1 through 4, says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and to all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to this mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. This thousand years is going to be filled with a peace on this earth that is currently not able to be had. We can have peace talks we can sign peace agreements. We can try to have peace. But ultimately, there will be no peace until Jesus comes back. Nations will go to Jerusalem year after year to celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles. It says in Zechariah, shall come to pass that everyone who has left of all the nations came against Jerusalem shall go up year to year, year to year and worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of the Tabernacle. 
You want to know more what it looks like? Zechariah chapter 8. Read the entire chapter. Kids playing in the streets. If you want to read more about it, Isaiah chapter 11. I almost was going to read the whole thing. There are kids nursing children playing with cobras. Lions and bears and everybody getting along in this thousand year reign. It is going to be a time of peace until that thousand years is over. Isaiah 65, that whole chapter, talks more and more about it. So now we have an understanding of what we're doing, what mortals will be doing, what it's going to look like this time on earth. It's going to be an amazing time. Worship uh, team or the keyboardist if you want to come back up. How does it all end? How does this thousand year reign end? We talked about it last week. Satan gets released. The rebellion is crushed. The white throne judgment happens. And then we move into all of eternity with him. All of eternity with him. There's so much we could do weeks and weeks just on the millennial reign, but really the purpose of this series is just to touch base so you guys have a general idea of this entire timeline and what it looks like. But I want to end with this. I want to end with Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Jesus says that in this day we will have trouble, but he has overcome it all. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. I think I'm going to read this each week for the rest of this series, and I'm going to call it the pathway to peace. The pathway to peace. Because we can look at the millennial reign and get excited. We can look at all of eternity in heaven and get excited. But you say, but Pastor Jason, I'm not there yet. I still have to live with the craziness of today. I still have to deal with my friends and my family and my loved ones. And viruses and elections and all this other stuff that's happening. And riots and whatever. What am I supposed to do? Thank you for the picture of the future. What do I do today? What do I do today? This here is our pathway to peace. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. To walk in a pathway of peace, we have to rejoice. We have to sing. We have to dance. We have to rejoice. I just read a story about a man who was in prison for Jesus Christ. And he said the only thing that got him through, the only thing, the only way that he did not go crazy is that he sang and he danced every single day. He had no Bible to read, but he sang. And he danced before the Lord as David danced before the Lord. We want to have peace in our life. We have to rejoice Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness, your gentleness be known to all men. 
not your edge, not your righteousness, not your truth. That doesn't lead to peace. The Bible's telling us right here, it doesn't lead to peace. You could be perfectly right. You could have the truth. But if you don't walk in gentleness, if you don't walk with gentleness, you will forfeit your peace. You'll forfeit it. And you can walk around being oh so right. But you won't have peace while you're doing it. If you want peace in these times, you have to walk with gentleness. For the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Easier read than done. Easier said than done. But how do we do that? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You want to walk in peace, a pathway to peace, you got to lay it down before him. You have to cast your cares to him because he cares for you. It's the only way you're going to navigate these days that lie ahead. We have to cast those cares onto him. But what if there's a toilet paper shortage again? Cast your care to him, my friend. And find someone else who stored up some toilet paper for you. There are those that are preparing. And I'm not saying it's not wise to do that. I would encourage some preparation as the Spirit leads you. And I've said this before during the Holy Spirit series. You may run out of toothpaste, but guess what? Your friend, your brother in Christ may have extra toothpaste. So don't worry about running out of toothpaste. Don't worry about running out of toilet paper. Don't worry about that there is no change at any store and you got to go in with $1 bills to do anything, whatever. Don't worry about those things. Cast your cares onto him, for he cares for you. Let your requests be made known to him. With thanksgiving, which means you're thanking him for the answer before you even get it. Casting to him saying, thank you, God. Because when I need the Red Sea to be parted, you're going to part the Red Sea. And I trust that you'll do it. I trust that you will do it. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. So we're worshiping, we're casting our cares, and we're praying. Peace begins to manifest in our life. And we begin to lose that peace. What do we do? He tells us, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy at all, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Meditate on the Word of God. Yes, worship. Yes, pray. Yes, cast your cares. But meditate on this word of God. And the peace that passes all understanding will be yours. No matter the situation you're going through. No matter the challenge that you have. No matter the difficulty that you might have. How do I know this? Because verse 9 says, These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you with you. He is with you. 
Church, He is with you. Wherever you go, He is with you. So let's bow our heads. I just want to pray for you for a moment. Father, we just thank You. We thank You for eternity, for the millennial reign, for the ability to rule and reign with You, the joys and the wonders that we can't even comprehend with our own earthly minds of what it's going to be like. But we look forward to it. But we also thank You that You are with us right now today. The presence of Your Holy Spirit is with us to lead us, to guide us. Father, I just pray over this congregation and everyone who can hear my voice this morning that they will begin to walk in the pathway of peace. Remembering to rejoice, to cast their cares with thanksgiving. to meditate on your word and on your promises. And as your word promises us that the peace that passes all understanding will be with us through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that. We worship you this morning. We give you all the honor, the praise, the glory, and the power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. We have some prayer teams that are going to come up here to the front. I just encourage you, if you, you know, normally during the service at some point in time, we do some type of prayer, and we invite people up. We did not do that this morning. So if you need prayer for anything in your life, we'll have some prayer teams that are up here. I will be up here as well. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you say, I want to live a different life, I want to live a life transformed, I want to be, I want to know that my name is in the book of life, then you can do that this morning. Don't let another day go by. Come up here and these guys will pray for you. I'll pray for you. We'll set you on the next couple steps that makes sense for you to move on. If you're watching online, call that friend that's been talking to you about Jesus. And I'm certain that they'll want to pray with you. Reach out to that loved one who's been talking to you about the goodness of God. Don't leave this morning without making a decision for him. Amen? Amen. Guys, I'm going to just do a benediction here. If you guys just want to bow your heads and close your eyes over this, it's out of Romans 15. It says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You guys are dismissed. Come and get prayer. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend.